welcome back to the Practicology Podcast and to our fifth episode in taking you through the book Key Bible Concepts by David Gooding and John Lennox. We're doing this for February's I Love to Read month. And even though we're in March, it's still a great month to read. So don't stop because the calendar has changed. We uh, remind you that for everyone who completes the reading of this very helpful book, uh, we just ask you to send us a little note. You can email us at info at practicologypodcast.com and we will put your name in a draw so that you can win another free David Gooding book. So thanks for joining us as we come back to another one of the great ION suffixes of the gospel, those big Latin words, redemption, uh, justification. Episode 55 dealt with justification, 56 with redemption. And today we are having an important conversation about sanctification. Matthew, this is a huge subject. So where should we start? Well, the way we sometimes talk makes me wonder if people think we're just as good starting with the writings of a self-help guru like Eckhart Tolle, or maybe for something more Christianized, maybe Rachel Hollis' book, Girl, Wash Your Face. But that self-help approach to life is not the Bible's teaching on sanctification. It is an interesting but a tellingly sad fact in my mind that in bricks and mortars bookstores, self-help books are often right in the same section or right alongside any Christian books they may have on display. But that also tells me that our Bible concept for this episode, sanctification, maybe isn't as distant from the culture's thinking as it may initially sound to us. Well, that's interesting, Matthew. I mean, uh, unlike the words justify and redeem, we're probably never going to hear someone on the street using the word sanctify in a conversation. So it does seem very distant from the culture's thinking, but you're saying that there is a longing on the part of many people, maybe most people, to be better people. Right. People do want to be better people, but I know that doesn't mean they want to be sanctified. I'm not pretending that people's desire to be better people means they are automatically pursuing Christian sanctification. One reason, of course, is that they may be pursuing what they think is good, but the culture's concept of good is not identical to God's standard of good. And God is the definer and arbiter of good and evil, but the world rejects that. Yet there is obviously something inside of people as creatures of a good God that makes them realize they're not perfect and they need to grow. They want to be more kind or want to have more self-control or want to be more peaceful. Many people speak about the importance of personal growth. And I'm not saying everything in that area is evil. But while one aspect of sanctification is a progressive growing in holiness, it's still crucial for us to recognize that Christian sanctification isn't the same as self-help or self-improvement. Okay, but we know we can't absolve ourselves of responsibility here. Uh, I'm thinking of 1 Peter 1, where God commands us, be holy, for I am holy. And if it's a command to us, then we must be responsible to obey the command. God does indeed say that. You're right. And we do have personal responsibility. But let's highlight that word holy for a moment. While your intro rightly linked today's key gospel concept with those other two ION words, justification and redemption, sanctification is maybe more closely linked with the first concept we did in our key Bible concept series. That was episode 54, how the captivating holiness of God can set us free. Many of our listeners will know that the two English words, holiness and sanctification, are the same word, agiasmos, in the original Greek language of the New Testament. How did I do in my pronunciation there, Mike? Very good pronunciation, Matthew. And uh, the pronunciation, of course, isn't important, but but the word 
and uh, linking it with holiness is going to be very important in our discussion today. And maybe I'll just remind our listeners of how we defined holiness in that episode. It's the idea of being separate, separate from sin or uncleanness. But remember, it isn't only being separate from things, it's also being separated to God, devoted to God. So to be holy is to be sanctified, and to be sanctified is to be set apart for God. Right, thank you. And the key thing for us to establish at the start is that God is the one who makes us holy. God is the one who sanctifies us. In fact, the opening words of chapter 12 in the Gooding and Lennox book are fantastic. Sanctification is the process by which God turns sinful people into saints. In fact, brothers and sisters, if you are indeed a child of God through faith in Christ Jesus, then you are a saint. Or in other words, you are holy. You have been sanctified. Hold on a second there, Matthew, because I think we need to hear that again. I know it's going to help inform the rest of our discussion. Uh, you just told believers who are just like you and me, we're struggling along in our Christian pathway. We still have wrong thoughts and say things we wish we hadn't. We still struggle at times with guilt for our failure to be more like Christ. And yet you are saying we are holy and that we've already been sanctified, right? You heard me correctly. But of course, it's not really me saying it. It is God who says it in scripture. And I want us to hear that from the word of God because we need to grasp our identity in Christ according to scripture because our behavior will correspond to our identity. It's our custom, I think, to almost only speak of sanctification in the sense of ongoing growth in holiness. But I think that's a problem. And let me explain two Bible reasons for saying that it's a problem if we only think of our sanctification in that sense of progressive or practical holiness. The first reason is the epistle to the Hebrews. In Hebrews, the almost exclusive use of the word sanctify or sanctification is to speak of a cleansing we have already received, a position we have in Christ. We have been sanctified. That is the same as saying we are holy. And Hebrews 10.10 is an example. We have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Mike, remember we spoke of the scenes that are painted in our minds by use of these other gospel words we've discussed already. Yeah, we said redemption makes us think of the slave market and justification makes us think of the courtroom. Right, and the book of Romans is the key book for grasping justification by faith. Romans 5.1, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. It's a done deal. We are justified. We're declared righteous. But we also just read in Hebrews that we have been sanctified once and for all. So generally speaking, sanctification in Hebrews is the equivalent of justification in Romans. Hebrews doesn't speak about justification. It speaks about sanctification instead. Of course, the background of Hebrews is a tabernacle and the day of atonement and Christ is our great high priest. John Meekin put it this way to me recently. If in Romans, justification brings me out from the law court, in Hebrews, sanctification brings me in as one fitted for the sanctuary. Well, that's super helpful, and I appreciate you bringing uh, John Meekin onto the show there, Matthew. Uh, you were just in the midst of, of giving us two biblical reasons as to why it's wrong to only think of sanctification in the sense of progressive holiness. So your first reason is that Scripture establishes in Hebrews that we have been sanctified. And what's your second reason? My second reason is a great joy to me, and it is that the New Testament repeatedly addresses Christians as saints. That is sanctified people. 
Brothers and sisters, as you likely already know, becoming a saint is not a matter determined by an institutional church decades after your death based on how well you lived your life. God turns sinful people into saints, and he grants us this identity by grace the moment that we put our faith in Christ Jesus, who came into the world to save sinners. Think of how Paul's first letter to the Corinthians starts out, and I'll give you J.N. Darby's literal translation to make the point. To those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called saints. Christians have this position in Christ. We are sanctified in Christ Jesus. This is our calling. This is who we are. This is our identity in Christ. We are saints. A Christian is not a remodeled sinner, but a born-again saint. God says we are a new creation in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. I know we're still sinners, believe me, but we've got to let scripture teach us and shape our identity. And you won't find the New Testament regularly addressing Christians as only sinners saved by grace. What you'll find in Romans and 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, is Paul addressing the believers as saints. Yeah, and I can understand Paul calling the Christians in Philippi saints. I mean, they were doing pretty well. But what makes your point even stronger, Matthew, is that the church in Corinth, of all places, uh, were called saints. They had many things going on in that church that were not very saintly. Yeah, and God still sees fit to call them saints, as you said, because they are sanctified in Christ. Christ makes all the difference, beloved. In Christ, we are clean. In Christ, we have a spotless position. Believers in the Lord Jesus are sanctified. Amen. Now, while I've wanted to emphasize that aspect of sanctification today, our position as saints in Christ, Scripture is certainly also crystal clear about the need for growth in holiness and progress in our sanctification, practical sanctification in the life of the Christian. We've been sanctified, and we must be sanctified. And this comes back to your quotation from 1 Peter 1 earlier when God says to us, Be holy, for I am holy, or 1 Thessalonians 3.3, 3, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. Verse 7, for God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. So the Christian gospel is not a call to believe in Jesus without pursuing practical holiness. I can't say, oh, now that I've been given a spotless position in Christ by grace, I can now sin that grace may abound. That's the false thinking that the beginning of Romans 6 addresses, which continues, by the way, Romans 6, verse 19. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. So here is an aspect of sanctification that we don't really see with justification or redemption. I know that they're all related, of course. They're all part of the same salvation, but there are not degrees of justification. Justification is really a one and done thing. We've been declared righteous at our conversion. Redemption has that past experience in mind, but we concluded episode 56 talking about the still future redemption of our bodies. But sanctification is first a done deal positionally at our conversion to Christ. There's an ultimate sanctification that awaits us when we are perfectly conformed to Christ. But there is also this present practical sanctification. And practical growth in holiness isn't an optional item in our Christian faith. It's not like the gospel's a buffet where we say, justification, mm-hmm, I'll take that. Redemption, yes, future redemption will taste really good. I'll take a bite of that. Untold brothers and sisters in the family of God, yes, I'll take those, most of them at least. Taking up the cross and denying myself, 
Eh. Sanctification? Ugh, that sounds a little bit of a painful process of transformation and change. I think I'll leave that one there. Thank you very much. No, of course not. Part of the glory of the gospel is that it changes destinies and it changes lives. And remember, beloved, the reason we came to Christ is that we wanted to be changed. We didn't want to be in our sins. The goodness of God led us to repentance. So if Christ is willing to take us on and graciously teach us and empower us for victory over sin, this is a good thing. This is what we want. And by the grace of God, let's keep wanting it. Let's keep beholding the glory of the Lord, 2 Corinthians 3, so that we may be transformed, changed from one degree of glory to another. Christianity isn't just learning theology, it's practicing the theology. Guard us, O Lord, from being Christians who love to learn but hate to change. The command to be holy needs to be taken seriously. The wonderful thing is, this is also our pathway to real joy and satisfaction. Yeah, I want to go back to where you began this episode, Matthew, with all those bookshelves of self-help books and all the millions of dollars spent on them and on courses and so on. We as Christians have something that none of those self-help books or programs can impart, and that is we have God's spirit of holiness living inside of us, and he's the one who stimulates those desires you've mentioned, and he empowers our obedience. He produces the fruit of holiness in our lives. Excellent, and without that Holy Spirit, we cannot become holy. In Charles Spurgeon's words, without the Spirit of God, we can do nothing. We are as ships without wind, like branches without sap. We are withered like coals without fire. We are useless. Again, Christian sanctification is not a self-help program. It's a life of fellowship with Christ and the power of his Holy Spirit. And that is open to you. As a Christian, that is possible. So far, we've said we are sanctified positionally. We must be sanctified practically. We are to take God's command to be practically holy seriously. Our final point today is we can be sanctified. We can grow in holiness. But this is why I labored the first point so much, Mike, that we are sanctified in Christ, because what that tells us is that Scripture's call to us to be holy is a call for us to be what we are. Think about that. The gospel simply calls us to live out what God has made us in Christ. Sanctification is the process by which God turns sinful people into saints. And God has made us saints positionally. And he calls and empowers us to be saints practically, to be what we are. Or in other words, to live out our new identity in Christ. Behavior corresponds to identity. And the humility that comes with remembering we are still sinners is important. But the dignity that comes with being sons of God and being called saints is also important. Well, I just absolutely love that truth, Matthew. And I feel the same way as you about how important it is. But I want to get a bit more specific now about how this looks in practice. Uh, you said a couple of minutes ago, sanctification isn't a self-help program. It's a life of fellowship with Christ and the power of his Holy Spirit. So let me tease that out a bit. Uh, your statement that it's a life of fellowship with Christ makes me think of John 15, where the Lord says, I am the vine, you are the branches, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. 
So the great thing about that to me is that if I abide in Christ, and, and I have a responsibility to do that, if I abide in Christ, Christ will see to it that there is fruit in my life. He's the vine. The life and energy for the Christian life come from him. The father is the vine dresser. He'll take care of the pruning. The fruit of holiness is really his responsibility. He will produce it while I cultivate my relationship with him. Fantastic. I, I love that. And the angle I was going to take, Mike, was more of, of walking in the spirit, Galatians 5. The truth is, though, in practice, the result of walking in the spirit is going to look a whole lot like the result of abiding in Christ. Yeah, certainly it will. But I'd like to hear you go with that a little bit, Matthew. I know you had an article on the Holy Spirit and sanctification in uh, the January edition of Truth and Tidings. And by the way, listeners, you can uh, give that a read for free at truthandtidings.com. And you had some helpful thoughts in that article, Matthew, on, on that blending of our responsibility with God's power. But can you give us a quick summary of what you wrote there? Well, what I personally find helpful is the farming metaphor of Galatians 6. And if I get too deep into the farming metaphor, I'm going to get stuck in the mud, but that's where you can come to my rescue, Mike, with your acquaintance of the ways of all those wonderful prairie farmers for whom I'm very thankful. But here's the farming picture. Well, we don't make seeds come to life, and it is not by our power that plants grow. We do choose where we plant the seeds. This is not farming 101. I know this is like farming kindergarten, which is about the only level I reached. But imagine two fields before you. And where you plant obviously determines which one will produce. In the words of Galatians 6, you can sow to the spirit or you can sow to the flesh. In the farming metaphor, if you plant in the field of the spirit, fruit will grow unto holiness. If you plant in the field of the flesh, all sorts of ugly fleshly deeds will take root and grow. So your responsibility is to plant or to sow to the spirit. You don't make yourself holy but you can choose to give yourself to the meditation and memorization of God's words. That's sowing to the spirit. You don't make yourself holy, but you can choose to take time to pray. That's sowing to the spirit. You don't make yourself holy, but you can choose to listen with a yielded heart to the word of God and seek to obey it. That's sowing to the spirit. You don't make yourself holy, but you can choose to Turn off the movie that's flooding your mind with images that you know are unhealthy for you. Holiness isn't just about grieving over sin. I've been enjoying Nehemiah 8, where it is a time of rejoicing. The wall has been completed. And uh, Ezra and Nehemiah say to the people, as they bring the scriptures now to the people, they say, stop mourning now. The people were mourning because they were convicted by what they heard from the law. But they say, stop mourning now, go and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready for this day is holy to our Lord for the joy of the Lord is your strength. That's interesting. The day is holy. So go and share with people who are in need and rejoice in God's joy over your obedience. That too is sowing to the spirit. You don't make yourself holy, but you can choose to take time to think upon the Lord Jesus, to prepare your heart to Worship him collectively with your brothers and sisters at the Lord's Supper. That's sowing to the Spirit. The local church is an important part of God's plan to sanctify us also. Well, it sounds to me, Matthew, that you're just taking us right back to the spiritual disciplines, those means of grace that we covered in January. I mean, you're talking about giving to those in need, meeting with the church, praying, meditating on what we read in Scripture, and so on. 
Yeah, and I can honestly say I wasn't trying to make those links back to those earlier episodes when I first thought of those examples, but it it does go to show that there are specific habits of life, and those are just a few, in which we can exercise our responsibility, admittedly with God's help, but God is the one who will actually work in our hearts to produce holy Christ-like character. It takes time, beloved. Fruit growing takes time, but God does it because sanctification is the process by which God turns sinful people into saints, and God is a faithful God. Well, thank you for this, Matthew. This has been a wonderful episode for me to uh, listen to and participate in. And as I look over my Christian life, I realize that probably my biggest hang-ups, my biggest difficulties in, in the Christian life have been with this subject of sanctification. And, and so I'm hoping that something that you've said will, will give help to, to others. Uh, David Gooding talks about how we, we go about sanctification, the progressive kind of sanctification, in two different ways. One is by slavery and the other is by sonship. And if you feel that your Christian life is a life of slavery, I really encourage you to go and, and read that chapter. Uh, read them slowly. Read them multiple times if you need to. But there is some liberating truth. And I think, Matthew, what you've said is the foundation of that that liberated Christian life. It's the emphasis on our initial sanctification. We have been set apart. We've been sanctified through Christ and uh, and in, we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit, empowered to live life for him. So thank you for this and uh, join us next week, everyone, as we have our last episode on key Bible concepts. You'll be reading the chapters on final judgment and the final chapter, which wraps up the whole book, uh, the chapter that covers this wonderful word called salvation. Until then, make progress in becoming like Christ.